MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Welcome in. Second hour of Numbers Game. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil. He'll be back on Monday. It's been a fun, well, the 10th day is coming up tomorrow. So I can't say it's been a fun 10 days because tomorrow could go cataclysmically wrong. So I'd say it'll, it's been a fun nine days so far. Hopefully tomorrow is going to be great. Uh, we have a lot. Of, we have a loaded show tomorrow, including Ron Flatter is going to be with us. And we'll talk about the Belmont coming up this weekend. Um, but we were talking about a couple of things off the air. First off, we were setting up fictional fights between people that we know and prices on those fights but it got me thinking because somebody behind the glass asked if one of these people you know was a physical being that potentially played hockey in their free time and it got me thinking I attempted to play hockey one time in my life this is actually like three or four years ago where I have a bunch of buddies for those who don't know the Las Vegas area there's a and you might know that there's a roller there's an inside roller rink for hockey down on like Sahara and Maryland Parkway in that area whatever and so you know growing up my buddies just play there all the time well they needed a goalie for their season that year and I mean like I know how to rollerblade but there's not much there so I practiced for a really long time and I filled in one game as a roller hockey goalie a couple like a few years ago it went terribly like I was, I think I gave up 11 goals. I had, I had one save. It was great. It was like the first shot I faced right in the chest. I was awesome. Then after that, my teammates let me down. A lot of odd man rushes. A, a lot of one guy, you know, one guy just getting behind the blue line and coming at me. But the worst part about it was this kid that kept destroying me was probably 14 at the most. But his mom was in the stands. And his mom the whole time was like, you go get him, Jason. It was like screaming and like cheering. And like at one point, somebody, I don't know if this helps me or hurts me, somebody from our bench goes, it's his first time. And I'm like, all right, this is terrible. Like, let's just relax. Like this, you one, you don't need to cheer that much. Two, you don't need to tell him it's my first time playing goalie. It was an all-around embarrassing moment. So that's what sparked my mind. But I would go out at like 2 a.m. to Desert Breeze and like practice skating because I was like really excited. Like I could do this and I couldn't do it. So hockey's hard is the lesson right there. And that's roller hockey against high schoolers. I can only imagine what it's like to play goaltender against some of these guys. With that, fun story aside, I'm willing to embarrass myself for the entertainment of others. One other thing we were talking about off the air, and we'll get to the, the betting perspective on a lot of stuff in the NBA with Tom Byrne coming up in a couple of minutes. But Jason was mentioning how 
you know, if you really think about it, right, this draft class that includes Trey Young and all, and Luka Doncic, like, if you really look at this class, like, the top end of it is pretty good. And you think about it, right? DeAndre Ayton goes one that year, and Marvin Bagley goes two. But then you get Doncic at three, Trey Young at five. And then we started going through the draft class of 2018. Holy crap, how good is this draft class? Like from t- And when you say from top to bottom, I don't mean like the first 20. No, like from one to the final pick in this draft, you have those guys in the top five. That also includes Jaron Jackson, who is absolutely fantastic in Memphis. You could go deeper. Colin Sexton is in this draft. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Miles Bridges, Michael Porter Jr., Dante DiVincenzo, right? Kevin Herter. This is deeper in the first round. Grayson Allen, Aaron Holiday, Landry Shamit. Robert Williams, like you go throughout this entire draft in the first, and that's the first round alone. There's even guys in the second round, Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, Gary Trent Jr. There are so many different guys in this class. Bruce Brown, that if you look back on, DeAnthony Melton was a late second round pick. For like in most recent memory, I just thought it was a fun anecdotal bit that while Troy Young and Luka Doncic are always going to be at the front of that class. And DeAndre Ayton seems to have developed into quite the monster for the Phoenix Suns with some really high upside who's probably going to get himself a max contract. This is one of the deepest classes like we've seen in a really long time, that 2018 NBA draft. And the future's pretty bright for all of them, but that whole dynamic between Trey Young and Luka Doncic and, you know, the excuse me, the Hawks the Hawks passing up on Doncic and instead going the direction of Trey Young and those two being tied together at the hip. Well, one of them's got his first playoff series win. The other's working on it. But regardless, those two look like, regardless, two really solid picks for their respective teams. And overall, this class was absolutely loaded to the gills with talent. Hey, get the gill. Get it? The numbers game? Oh, he did that on purpose. Uh, but it absolutely loaded from top all the way down to the bottom. How about the 54th overall pick in this one? Shake Milton who's actually a legitimate role player there for the Philadelphia 76ers. So I thought anecdotally that was a lot of fun to look at. The 2018 draft class, pour through that because there's a lot of guys on there that are really big role players for their teams, and especially in a lot of these playoff runs that we're seeing them like come to fruition in just three years from their NBA draft. So, and by the way, we'll have more draft stuff as we go through. Summer League's going to be here, a lot of the good NBA coverage uh, yet to come, even though we are in the throes of the playoffs right now, and we have some series that will be decided. It's a numbers game here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Let's continue get some actionable information on the NBA, not just reflect on a 2018 NBA draft class. But really quick, Tom Burns with the SiriusXM NBA. Like, Tom, that's pretty nuts when you look at that class as a whole, right? Like, what these guys are doing for their respective teams from the top of the first round to the end of the second. Like, that's a loaded class when you look back on it. Oh, no question. Some classes are better than others. That's clearly one of the better classes. You mentioned Shake Milton, though. Boy, if he struggled in this yeah. postseason for Philadelphia. And if Joe Lambie's not going to be 100%, guys like Shake Milton and Matisse Stobble, the young guys, Therese Maxey, are going to have to play a lot better. But getting back to your point, yeah, the 2018 class, pouring over, it's pretty impressive. So let, let's go to that thing because that's a natural jumping off point. I was kind of surprised to see Philly floating around that $2 range. I thought it was going to be higher. I get the, the Joel Embiid injury thing. You go back to the regular season. You know, there was a game that Trey Young missed. There was a game that Ben Simmons missed. But roundly, uh, a regular season series that was much in favor of the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you think of this first series price popping up in the matchup between the Hawks and the Sixers? Yeah, I think this is a tricky one until we know what Joel Embiid looks like. To say he's important to the Sixers would be a vast understatement. Now, they mm-hmm. did have one good West Coast swing where they played good basketball without him, but typically, ever since he entered the lineup, Philadelphia could be a mess without him, whether it be a stretch of games, a stretch of minutes, what have you. I mean, even coming in to last night, and they played well in his absence, obviously, at home. They're always a better team at home, Philadelphia, than they are on the road. Their home road splits are typically crazy. Last year, of course, they had the biggest split in the history of the sport. But, look, before that game, they had been outscored by 17 with them beat on the bench, and they had won the series by 71 with them. So I was a little surprised it went so easy for them in the second half. Atlanta's rolling right now. They've got a little confidence. Trey Young's going to be a tough stop. And I don't know if that's Ben Simmons-type territory right there. Ben Simmons is a stopper defensively, but Trey Young's a different sort of guard, smaller, little quicker, shiftier. I think that might have to be a Matisse-Stiebel type of matchup. So I don't know if, like, we break up. I, I don't know. Do we break down the matchups with Embiid not playing, or do we break down the matchups with him playing? If he plays, to your point, Philadelphia wins this relatively easily. There's no chance it's a long series, in my estimation. But if he doesn't play JVT, we're probably looking at a coin flip with maybe even a slight lean to Atlanta. So I'm going to hold off a little bit here. I don't have a good feel, believe it or not. Typically I do when it comes to Embiid and the Sixers. But I can't get a read 
They keep saying they're optimistic. I just don't know if I'm buying it based on Embiid's injury history. You know, it's a good point you bring up with the matchups. You know, you think about it, Ben Simmons might be more of like a Bogdan Bogdanovich type matchup, right? You know, along the perimeter, Bogdanovich yep. is absolutely nuts. And, you know, it's been reported in a lot of these uh, broadcasts, but for those who don't know, his background in terms of uh, other high-level basketball and winning tournaments is really solid. So you would think that maybe Simmons first picks up a guy like Bogdanovich, who was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think he's still one of the league leaders in plus-minus in terms of the postseason, is he not? Yeah, it might be. I'd have, have to look at that. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I'm with you with Simmons, though. Look, it's crazy with Philadelphia. Sixers basketball right now is in trouble, obviously, because no Embiid. But they still have some other guys who can play. And Embiid and Thibel, I'm sorry, Simmons and Thibel are not good. They are otherworldly mm-hmm. defenders. They really are. As great as Simmons is defensively, he's getting his due this year. And I think Rudy Gobert is the defensive player of the year myself. But Simmons is in the top three, JVT. I don't even think he's the best perimeter defender on his own team. I think that's Matisse Thibel. So, you know, that's what made Philadelphia, along with Embiid, so dangerous, potentially against the Brooklyn, because they can throw Simmons and Thibel on at least two of the three perimeter-dominant players for Brooklyn. Doesn't mean they were going to win the series, but with home court advantage and Embiid down low with no matchup, I thought that was going to be a very interesting series if, if Brooklyn gets by Milwaukee, which I think they will. It's it's really a shame these injuries, whether it be MB for Philadelphia, Conley for Utah, obviously Chris Paul for Phoenix, AD for LA. It's really not a good thing for the association. Uh, also, another massive injury as we move on from this. Um, the injured pride of the Los Angeles Clippers, who are also being made fun of by their ushers reportedly <laughs> during the loss yesterday. According to one report, uh, one usher actually came over. This is uh, Tomer Az- uh, Azerle, who does a great job covering the Clippers. He actually reported, Tom, that somebody, in terms of an usher, interrupted the post-game press conference with Kawhi Leonard to yell, quote, ask him why they're scared of the Lakers. Ask him why they lost the last two games on purpose. So this is, this is anecdotally, this is incredible. As a Clippers fan, it hurts deep down, and I'm never going to let this, you know, I'll never let it show. So what? I'll ask about the end-of-game sequence first. Terrence Mann, of course, with what looks like a layup. I always like you, you put out the freeze frames on social media. It makes it look a lot easier than the situation, but it did look like one where I'd rather attempt that shot than kick out of it. Terrence Mann doesn't do that. You had Kawhi Leonard with a yep. terrible shot at the end. He still had time to kick it back out and set something else up. What did you make of this? Because this is what's so frustrating about the Clippers, Tom, is you're down by, what, 15, 14 points going into the fourth quarter. You go on a 16-6 to run that shows that you are right. better than you really have been, and then you completely collapse at the end. It would not not be surprising for them to win the next two games, but at the end of the day, these inconsistencies on both ends of the floor are maddening, and you have no idea whether or not they're going to fix them up, and, and track record shows us that they're not. Yeah, 100%. I had not heard that story. That's hilarious, but I'm not surprised. Listen, they're a mess down the stretch. I mean, Nick Batum now is taking the biggest shots. Yep. Nick Batum. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous, and of course, you mentioned the three-point air ball attempt at Rondo's on Kawhi's case. And let's be real about Kawhi. Ever since he left Toronto, it's not going well for him. Not that he's been bad in the series. He's had some monstrous performances, in fact. But for his legacy's sake, this has not been a good run for him, quite obviously. Had he stayed in Toronto, I got to think that Toronto team last year, maybe not this year, but last year would have been phenomenal. So you look at some of his clutch numbers throughout the regular season. I remember I stopped tracking the numbers. I should have kept doing so. But I remember I poured through the data about halfway through the year, and he was one of the worst clutch players as far as the big names of the sport in the league. And that doesn't seem to have changed much. We know we can't trust Paul George. So they seriously have some issues right now, JVT. And this is a fascinating number now in game six. You only have to lay two, although probably will go up to two and a half, three by game time. That'd be my guess if you want the clips. I know I did it last time they were at home. In this de- I'm sorry, on the road in this desperate spot. I think you did too. But I'm not sure how comfortable I am right now after seeing Luka look close to 100%. He didn't seem to be close to 100% a couple games ago. He was awesome yesterday. Didn't seem like the the neck was bobbing him. And Dallas is a strange team. You and I have chopped this up. I told you before the series, I'm not going to look at home court advantage in the series quite the same way. Dallas, if you compare their home and road net rating in the regular season, they were about five points better on the road. Under Luka, they have consistently in Dallas been better on the road than their own building. It's strange to say, but I, I guess I'm going to have to say, you know what? Clippers win a close one. I'm not sure I'm so confident I'll play it yet. I got to do a little bit more, you know, research into it. But I, I would say Dallas then goes to Staples and wins game seven on the road. How often do you say that sort of? 
Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. When you have Tim Hardaway Jr., I think it was after the game, saying that they need to keep a road mentality for for game six. Like, that is a very interesting, <laughs> very interesting thing to say for a team going back home. So let me ask you this, too, because one of the things that really stuck out to me yesterday, and it should have to a lot of people, there is a coaching mismatch here. Rick Carlisle is, is a very good head coach. Ty Lue, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. And yesterday, Tom, yep. I was insanely impressed. It's like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to put Boban out there. We're going to play mostly zone. You've been killing us within four feet of the basket. You're not going to get to within four feet of the basket. And it really bothered the Clippers. And that's the other part of this is anecdotal stuff aside, I don't know if I trust Ty Lue, who actually made an adjustment and went small. But I, th- I feel like that was like the last thing in the deck. And now he's like, well, what do we do now? I guess we go back to Zubac. Like, that's the thing that also bothers me here. Carlisle made a really good adjustment this last game, and I just don't know what Tyloo does to adjust back and actually counter it when we get to game six. Oh, I agree 100%. I think Tyloo's overrated. That's been a theme of mine for some time. I just think players are a little bit more comfortable with Tyloo because he played in the league and everything else. But Rick Carlisle is definitely the better coach here. Now, Carlisle, in fairness, hadn't really done much in the postseason at all since the 2011 magical run. But we know he knows what he's doing, and he's going to make the requisite adjustments. Dallas is not going to lose because Rick Carlisle left anything on the table, if you know what I mean. Whereas Ty Lue, you know, after this series is over, and if they lose it, we're going to go back and examine this series. And there are going to be a number of occasions where we're going to wonder why they make certain changes at certain moments. We're not going to look at Ty Lue the same way. There's no other way around it. I didn't love that decision anyway. Not that I thought Doc deserved to stay. Doc had his issues there. At some point, you got to move on. But to just go on his own bench and take Ty Lue, I never agreed with that particular. You know, listen, now, he could win the next two, and the Clippers could go on a major run. I mean, a lot of people thought they were going to represent the West. That's not out of the realm of possibility. That's how crazy this is. But if they end up losing this first-round matchup, you know, nobody's going to take that ring away from them, JVT. Mm-hmm. But I think even the general public will start looking at Ty Lue the way we do. Maybe a good, certainly not the great coach that a lot of people wanted to tell us he is. Uh, I am allegedly one of those people that picked the Clippers to represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. Still alive, though, so I refuse to back down until they're (laughs) officially eliminated. And how good will I look when I refuse to budge and they make it all the way there eventually? Uh, All right, a couple other things to get to with Tom Bird with the Series 6 MNBA. Uh, Let's get to the games tonight. First off, fascinating series, I think, between Portland and Denver. We get what Damian Lillard does, but then the other Trailblazers is like, "Ah, sorry, Dame, we can't really deliver for you. We get the Miss dunk from Covington. We get the step out of bounds from McCollum, and here we are, Blazers on the brink of elimination. Market's been high on them throughout this entire series, though, Tom. You know, they were favored in the uh, series yep. before it started. They were favored once it was tied, even though it was two or three back at Denver. And now here we are, a five-point favorite at home against the Denver Nuggets. And it, to me, I broke it down. It's very simple, and maybe it's a little unfair, but this is how it has gone. If Yusuf Nurkic can stay on the court, they have a much better shot. But this is now three yep. games in which he has fouled out very early, and the Nuggets have taken advantage. So what do you see with this one? I, five seems a lot to me, given how close these two teams are. But what do you see? Yeah, five is too much, but I have not decided to take it because I took the five last time. It got the five shortly before tip, if you remember, and I jumped on it and it burnt me, of course. They got beat up pretty good. Obviously, Portland's desperate here. I'm not sure I'm buying the emotionally spent angle. I think they'll be able to stretch it to a game seven where Denver will win it. Listen, I've been pretty consistent about this series. You and I have discussed this. You and I are on the same side. A lot of other sharp betters are not, interestingly enough. But I think Denver was always the right side of the series, but I always thought it was going to take seven games. At home, you know, you'll probably get one and a half, two again, and to me that's a great number. First of all, that was so awesome to watch the other night, was it not? Dame Lillard, and I was on Denver one and a half, so I won it. I mean, Dame was killing me. I mean, first of all, the officials screw up there late fourth quarter. How they call that a foul Austin Rivers is ridiculous. They give him the side out. Dame hits the three. He hits three in the final minute of the first overtime. He's going off at the beginning of the second, then doesn't shoot for some reason in the final 345 of the second overtime. But I also think that this idea, well, this Portland final five, this closing five is the best, and the Portland Trailblazers can actually represent the West, is a bunch of nonsense. And this won't surprise you, Davey T, because you and I discussed this before the year, and I know you were higher on it than I was. I've never once felt like Portland ever had a chance or even a prayer mm-hmm. to represent the Western Conference. They're frankly not that good. I know we all love Dane. He's a great player. I love C.J. McCollum. I've done shows with C.J. He's a walking bucket. I might be able to score against that backcourt. And to your point, when they don't have Nurkic in the middle, they have zero rim protection. Jokic is just going to go off. Portland's a good but not a great team. My model has shown all year they've been a little fraudulent. Yes, they turned it on down the stretch. It's not to say they can't win the series, but I have never expected them to win the series. But in this case, JVT, I don't know. You know, I'm going to have to wait, feel this out a little bit, see where it goes. I don't think it'll get the five and a half. Five is probably the limit. 
I think Portland desperate does stretch to a best of seven. So how confident I am taking the five, I still have to consider myself. Yep, 29th in defensive efficiency, according to cleaning the glass coming into this from the regular season. That is not going to get you many wins. And to your point, too, right, we had this conversation last year. Like, hey, watch out. Seeding games are looking pretty good. Yeah, they had a net rating of, like, plus 1.5. And, like, they lost a game to a closing lineup against the Clippers like Rodney McGruder or Jermichael Green. Like, uh, there are a lot of issues defensively. So I would agree with that sentiment. Uh, All right. Phoenix at Los Angeles opened up three. We're down to one and a half. Total's down to about 207 and a half. Is it as simple as AD plays? Lakers are live. If he doesn't, Phoenix blows him out again. Listen, I, I still take a lot of games when the numbers are first put up. Yep. But in this case, I did not do that. And I'm not even sure I'm going to do it before tip because there's so much uncertainty around AD. I don't know if he's going to play. One thing I've been told by somebody in the Pelicans organization keeps ringing in my mind, though, and that is that Anthony Davis has, quote, low pain tolerance, end quote. And if that is the case, there's zero chance he plays well tonight, right? Because that groin is going to bother him. I mean, I heard reports suggesting before last game he could barely move. Well, if he could barely move before last game, how in the world is he going to play this game? Is it even worth putting him in this game? And if he does play, that means he's passed it. I mean, these guys hold the power, even though he says he's going to keep it, you know, to the medical staff. I'm not sure I'm buying that. I think he's taking pressure off himself. If these guys want to play, they can play. But if he's going to be feeling pain throughout, then he might be more of a detriment than it's worth. So right now, I'm kind of leading Phoenix. But here's the other problem with the Suns that we have to discuss. Yes, Chris Paul physically started to look a little better finally. But he also re-injured that shoulder last game. And Chris Paul is the type of dude, he's a dog, man. Like, he... He could have that arm amputated, and he's playing. He's just been through it too much. At this age, he knows he doesn't have too many opportunities. But that doesn't mean he's going to be 100%. And so there's just so much uncertainty with these injuries, and especially in this series. I have a lean on the Suns. I would have liked the three, obviously, but I'm not involved yet. All right, we got a little under two minutes left at the time. We do have this series price up. Uh, as high as minus 230 at Circa over on Brooklyn. I thought that was kind of surprising. Market adjusted. Now we're floating around $2. Series price, your judgment there, and the series overall between the Bucks and the Nets? Yeah, I think it's going to be a heck of a series, but I'm not convinced it's going seven. I think this Brooklyn team is really good, man. Now they have five games to become acclimated with each other. It does feel like a disappointment. They lost to that beat-up Boston team, but they just have so much offensive firepower. I think they're going to present some issues, to say the least, for Coach Budenholzer's defense, and Bud's not known for excellent defensive adjustments throughout the best of the seven. So I'm already on the four. I took Brooklyn, laid the four once the four and a half got the four. I was surprised to see it's creeping towards three and a half. That would surprise me a little bit. Uh, but I, I like Brooklyn in the series, so I think the series price is fair. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd lay that, quite frankly. I usually just play the game. Sometimes if the series price jumps out, Obviously, I'll take it. In this case, I'm going to probably go game by game here. I'm going to start game one, late of four in Brooklyn. I mean, to me, I'd make this line five and a half, six. I was a little surprised, quite frankly, that this line is what it is with Harden. And I know you love Harden. Who, by the way, has been the best net of them all. You know, playing well right now. Not a guy you typically trust in the postseason, along with KD. Somebody you do trust in the postseason to KD. Somebody you do trust in the postseason that is a tough lineup to exploit, boy. Now, I'm not saying Giannis can't, and if they switch everything defensively, then they're going to be in some trouble. I asked you about a week ago, who's the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets? I'm not sure, because Steve Nash looks like a moron against Boston with every 1-3 pick and roll for Boston working Tom. exquisitely well to get the matchup they want. So let's see if they have any defensive adjustments in this series. If they don't, then it's going to be a seven-game series. If they do... Believe it or not, I think it could be as short as five. Tom Byrne, host Series XM NBA. We're up against it, bud. Got a jet. Uh, Tom Byrne, they'll go again. One Tom Byrne up on Twitter. We'll be back. we got a lot more to get to here on the numbers game. You want to make every game interesting? Step one, open the BetMGM Sportsbook. Step two, put some skin in the game. And step three, showtime. TD. Back with K's, RBIs, and the TKOs, B-I-G. The overs, the unders, the underdogs, and the upsets. Ooh, yeah, that hits different. When they go off the way, you're all in. The buzzer beats, the walk-off blasts, and every Hail Mary pass is one tap away from you doing your victory dance.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Third and the final leg of Triple Crown action is this Saturday. And first bet is the perfect place to start your betting action. Sign up now and you will get analysis and wagering on every race with AI-assisted picks, secure payments, attentive customer service, and a reliable website. To celebrate the Belmont Stakes, first bet is giving $20 in free bets for all new users who sign up now through June 5th using the promo code VEGAS20. Also, everyone who redeems the $20 free bet offer will receive full access to VSIN subscription products for free and a $20 credit for merchandise in the VSIN store. It's our best racing offer yet. Go to VSIN.com slash horses for details. That's VSIN.com slash horses and use the promo code VEGAS20. So, Let's discuss a couple of things that came down over the last few days. First off, I mean, this is the biggest one, right? Mayweather and Paul. Well, we got some news updated here. Official rules are now out for the Floyd Mayweather-Logan Paul fight, and it does put into some doubt how you wager on a contest like this, but the rules up to this point. I I wanted to burn a whole hour on this, but Jason said no, so whatever. No winner judges. Knockouts are allowed, which you would think like how you'd in a boxing match, how that doesn't happen. But regardless, knockouts are allowed. Eight three-minute rounds, 12-ounce gloves, no headgear, 190-pound weight limit for Logan Paul. So really what sticks out is the no winner or judges, right? Because 
There were a few places uh, that hung up odds on a fight like this and that were actionable once it was announced. So we get a couple of inclinations, you know, from a, a few folks on some overseas uh, that regarding the Mayweather and Paul fights, this is from Dave Mason uh, over at Bet Online. that important intel regarding Mayweather versus Paul Betts. It was announced that there will not be any judges and no official read for the fight since this contradicts wording for the fight. And this is at one overseas shop. We will no action odds to win bets. And then, of course, we'll reopen to the new market with wording and rules more consistent with the new rules uh, of the bout. So it's an exhibition, not going to get judges. You would think there's probably going to be up, you know, will there be a knockout? Yes, no. And, you know, will, you know, Paul knock out Floyd Mayweather? Yes or no. Uh, other way around as well. So you'll probably see some differences there. But in terms of what this market looked like when this was initially announced, there was odds up there, and it looked like there were some shops that were taking action. So now you're going to get a new market here for this fight. But again, no winners or judges and knockouts allowed. Eight three-minute rounds. Still would think that you could have a uh, obviously a round prop over or under things like that. But adjust now. I have to differentiate the language in terms of who is going to win and how they are going to win. Yeah, I'm not watching this one. You got me. You got me with Ben Askren and Paul. You totally did. The whole dad Bob, former MMA, you know, thing, it, it, it wrapped me in. Al Bernstein may or may not getting, you know, marijuana smoke blown in his face by Pete Davidson. All those sort of things, totally in on something like that. This one, not so much. Also don't really like Floyd Mayweather that much, so refuse to give up the money there. So we'll see what happens in terms of the new markets. But it'll be interesting to see what else is going to be hung up in terms of what that is going to be out there in terms of this fight. We also have, uh, see, like right now, like there's some other spot up, Floyd Mayweather minus 1150. You can't hang up odds like that because you can't take action on something like that. Regardless, we move on. Uh, other niche sporting events for the most part. Uh, we did get an announcement that the USFL apparently relaunching in 2022, four decades after the Spring Football League short-lived run, right? So it looks like this is going to be backed by Fox Sports and a relaunch will be planned for next year. So again, Another one of these <laughs> faux football leagues that is going to pop up in the spring. We'll see if this one has legs, right? We've seen now a couple of versions. The uh, Was it the AA, AFL or whatever that was, right? Then we had the XFL, and now we have whatever this is going to be, the USFL. Look, football in the spring, I guess it gives you some opportunities to bet, and you can find some discrepancies and, you know, betting totals. I think a lot of the times we see in these uh, – these football spring leagues, that uh, that was a very popular angle for a lot of them. In terms of the sides, maybe you find an edge with some of the teams that are constructed a little bit better. But at least get, this will add something in 2022 to the betting board, you would think. But the USFL is going to get relaunched here again. Plays next spring with a minimum of eight teams. And, uh, you know, cities, coaches, all that stuff won't be announced until later. It says the league has the rights to retain any key original team names. You can get some of the... Uh, the throwback teams from there. But Fox Sports, minority equity stake of the company, is going to serve as the official broadcast partner. It looks like we're going to have another Spring League of Football coming up in 2022. So very, very big in terms of all of you who were kind of nerds for the AFL and the XFL at the times in which we could do it. Uh, really quickly, by the way, the Belmont Stakes mentioned at the top. Well, uh, there are two episodes this week up of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. First is a pop-up available now with Las Vegas bookmakers and horse players, Chris Andrews, Johnny Velo, Dwayne Colucci, and Vinny Maiulo. Hey, who's going to be with us tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow's regular episode, by the way, all those guys are going to uh, analyze all eight horses in this weekend's race. And then tomorrow, regular episode from New York features trainers Doug O'Neill, John Sadler, and Fox Sports racing analyst Maggie Wolf and Dale Morley. Both episodes are available at vcin.com slash podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It is sponsored by First Bet. On the other side, uh, two things to clean up from baseball yesterday. Also, a couple of pitchers that are... Uh, in the spotlight for me in today's card. We'll get to that and more. And remember, at the bottom of this hour, Lou Finnecaro is with us. Rest versus rust. What wins out? Lou will answer. And NBA playoffs are here. Our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. VEASAN hockey expert Andy McNeil tracking all the NHL action. Senior NBA analyst, that's me. Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops insight. Our experts in the entire VEASAN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis on every game on VEASAN.com. And our daily members only best bet emails. Now is the time to cash in on the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. So I did want to clean up something from yesterday. 
from the Major League Baseball card, and there's a couple of guys uh, that are on the list today that do stick out. And uh, actually, there was three, but one uh, ended up not making the start here. At least he's not listed as the starter right now. But regardless, let's go back to Mets and D-backs yesterday because the Mets get a 7-6 to win, top of the ninth inning. They played their final run, eventually beat the Arizona Diamondbacks. They win their 27th game. They continue to play really solid baseball. The lineup comes alive now a little bit now uh, for the New York Mets as they have a little bit more health and Pete Alonso back in, who again yesterday, 2-5. of five. Uh, at the plate, and with uh, one run driven in. But the reason I wanted to bring this up is, on yesterday's show, and again, bringing up the process right in which uh, I used to handicap these pitchers, I had circled David Peterson as a guy that, hey, look, Peterson's got some solid underlying numbers. I think there's probably something positive coming for him. He's had some bad luck on some home runs that this is probably going to even out for David Peterson. And what happens yesterday? Well, he gives up uh, five earned runs in the top of the first inning, only lasts a third of the inning, three hits as well, three walks, doesn't strike out a single guy. And just like that, at the bottom, or going into the bottom of the first, I should say, the Arizona Diamondbacks have a 4 nothing lead over the New York Mets. So it did not, go, probably did not go well whatsoever for Peterson. But ultimately, the Mets would win, considering that they would not only play five in the bottom of the inning, but of course go on uh, to win the first five, six to five, with of course a really solid out, uh, outing overall against Madison Bumgarner uh, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So one of those instances where the handicap was wrong, but the result was correct. So Peterson, again, still, I think, on my list in terms of guys I'm looking for something positive from. But yesterday was one of those examples where you get it completely wrong. The result turns out in the proper way, though, uh, because Peterson was not good. And maybe you, maybe I'm wrong. And those numbers are start to look more like the numbers you saw. But Peterson looked like a candidate for some positive regression. And that was not the case yesterday whatsoever. Uh, all right. Twins and Orioles, too. I mean, you could throw that in there as well, right? And, you know, we talked a little bit about this with uh, Paul Sporer when he was on with us a little bit earlier, right, in terms of Dobnik and what you look at in some of the underlying numbers. Five and two-thirds, eight hits, three earned runs is not something that is terrible at all. But, again, as Paul brought up, which is a really good point, right, not a guy that induces a lot of swings and misses, a guy that trusts his defense and the defense behind him is the bottom half of the league at this point right now. So you're going to get some of these issues with him. While there's probably some better luck heading his way, it might not come to fruition as evenly just because the team behind him. And the Orioles, by the way, get the win. And Matt Harvey, not a long outing, but a solid one. Three innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, three strikeouts. Uh, did give up a home run. But Wells comes in, does a solid job, holds off the Minnesota Twins and Baltimore gets a win at home over the Minnesota Twins. So just to clean up a couple of those from yesterday, we talked a little bit about it with Paul Spore, but thought it was worth mentioning. Now, a couple of games to talk about today that I think are really intriguing. Uh, let's start with Kansas City and Minnesota, because this one did stick out. We were just talking about the Twins, so it's kind of the natural jumping off point at this point right now. Uh, but the reason why this sticks out is, again, as you look around in terms of who is slated to start the game, what the prices are, and what you're expecting out of both of these teams, as we look at the opening price between both of these uh, clubs, minus 136 in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs on the first Chiefs. Royals, on the initial opener, you're getting plus, 100, you know, plus 124 on the other side with Jay Happ. So it's Jay Happ in this one versus Chris Bubich. And this is kind of interesting because when you look at some of the numbers for both of these guys, specifically a guy like Bubich, I can understand this number kind of moving in the direction because this is a guy that, again, 29 and two-thirds is not a very large sample size, right? But if you look at his ERA of 152 and ERA of 470, there is some regression coming in terms of him pitching a little bit above his head. And another one of these guys that – Walk rate is really high, right? And again, when you look at that from a perspective of walking over four guys every nine innings, you can get away with that if you're a pitcher that induces swing and misses and gets guys to strike out. Well, that's not what Bubich does, right? 6.6 .6 in terms of the strikeouts every nine innings. His K rate is under 20% at 19. His strikeout to walk ratio is pretty low at 1.5. So that's kind of the problem, right? Is He is a guy that you know induces ground balls, gets his defense involved, but walks a bunch. And so in that case, when you're still giving up that hard contact, when you're trusting your defense, you're walking a lot of guys, you at some point are going to pay for that. He hasn't up to this point, but you can totally understand the market, especially on an overnight price, right, of like $1.35, $1.36, which is where we originally saw this price, moving in the direction that it did. So that's why I wanted to circle this and point this game out, because generally when you see guys that have this discrepancies in these numbers like Vujic does, 
you generally will also see the market move in the direction of the pitcher that has something coming for him, whether it's positive or negative regression. And I think that's why you've seen such a big move here uh, up to this point. And as far as the other side goes, is concerned too, right, with Jay Happ and what he has done up to this point. Uh, Jay Happ definitely regressed to the mean big time when you looked at, hey, 520, early in the season, when I was filling in all the money like a month ago, um, this guy was circled, Jay Happ, as one of the dudes who I would sell high on because he was pitching a little above his skis at the early part of the year, that is definitely regressed to the mean here for Happ. And you have two guys who uh, could get lit up at any moment. And you see this total, too, by the way, uh, nine and a half right now between these two. Total opened up nine and a pick. Now you're talking about nine and a half shaded to the over at minus 115. So, again, the underlying numbers for both of these guys explaining the market moves for both the side uh, and the total. The other, just because this is going to be a great game, Tywin Walker and you, Darvish, New York taking on the San Diego Padres. Padres, of course, get swept out of Wrigley. Now they come back home to take on the New York Mets, who have some more life with that lineup here. Padres open up as about uh, we're kind of $1.75 favorite. Now you're looking at minus 170, minus 175. Depends on where you look. Tywin Walker on the hill for the New York Mets. You, Darvish, will oppose him here. And these are always interesting because the Padres, you know, coming off a relatively poor performance, especially from an offensive standpoint over in Chicago, now coming back into the friendly confines, get a guy like Darvish who has been absolutely electric, right? $1.70 is pretty solid given what Darvish is and what the Padres are. 216 ERA, expected fielding independent, pretty tight at 383. So there's something coming for Darvish, not anything crazy. The command issues are not even an issue, but it is up this year, right? Walks last year in terms of the walk rate under 5%. This year for Darvish, it's back over 6 So there's some things that he can probably tweak and work on, but the strikeout-to-walk ratio is absolutely fantastic. But to me, I'm more interested in, has the market fully adjusted here on the Mets kind of turning things around, right? Guys like Alonzo back in the lineup. The fact that Tywin Walker has really been solid across the board in terms of his numbers, too. The walks are a little high, but a 184 ERA, 384 expected fielding independent on par with what you Darvish has put out there. And from a $1.70 price tag, you can understand the respect for the San Diego Padres. But at the same time, I do wonder with the effectiveness of the New York Mets and how well they have been playing, have, has the market correctly adjusted its power rating on New York up to this point? It seems like uh, plus 155 is a generous price on the Metropolitans, given the way that this lineup has been playing over the last few games, especially with Alonso back. Regardless, we move on from there. Lou Finacaro is going to be with us. We'll talk a little bit about the NHL. Got a good fight night card coming up this weekend that Jason's super excited about as well. So give us a breakdown on all of those and much more as we wrap up a numbers game here on VCND Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. $1 wager on the Lakers and Suns later tonight into 100 bucks with BetMGM. If either team hits a three, use bonus code VEASAN100. This is actually a really poor three-point shooting series. When you sign up for the King of Sportsbook and get ready for showtime, download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details. Make sure to use promo code VEASAN100. New customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Let's welcome in Lou Finicaro, man of many hats, who's going to help us discuss National Hockey League and a little bit on the fight night card coming up this weekend. The big boys are in action in the UFC this weekend. But, Lou, let's start with the NHL. So, first off, you know, we had this uh, conversation, right, because we had some pretty good examples in the NHL. Teams in game one. Rested, ready to go, waiting for the team that was getting off of a series that was going a little long. We had Boston, we had Colorado, and then, of course, we had Toronto, all in those situations. So what do the numbers tell us about these teams, rest versus rust? What's more effective in how they handle these game one situations? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on, uh, Jonathan. And and uh, I heard you and Andy talking about this in an earlier segment, and I wanted to bring it up. I, many times over the course of the last four decades, I've had a feeling about say road teams in hockey playoffs or uh, what we're what we're speaking about now teams with abundant rest against a team maybe coming off six or seven games has to turn around real quick and and I've always had the feeling that the team with the abundant rest provided that the team they're playing comes right out of a series the team with abundant rest is at huge disadvantage, but uh, an old satellite me uh, until recently didn't have an analytics department. And now that I do, I spit the question to them, they kick it right back. And here's what the facts are. Teams with five days of rest or greater playing a team that's coming in off a series that's only had three days of rest or less, uh, the team with the greater rest is 18 and 22, which is minus 7.46 units. So it doesn't pay to have that much rest in game one. However, clearly rest like this and perhaps rest like Tampa Bay may get if they close out this series early against Carolina only will come back to help them in the long run. It's just the game one situation where those legs are not quite up to the team that just came off the series. I like it. So throw that up one more time, please, um, Jason. 
for those who are with us, again, from Lou, when one team is five days or more of rest between series and plays a team that on only three days or less of rest, team with more rest, 18 to 22, down 7.46 units. So really good research in terms of rest versus rest, and we'll see those situations again as these series play out. Uh, let's talk about the games tonight, though, Lou, and, and what we're seeing with some of these series. First off, later this evening, we're talking about these NHL series going down. I will ask you this, out of the games on the board that we have at this point right now, which one sticks out most to you? Boston and New York. We've seen Boston from $1.31 favorite upwards of $1.40. And we see Carolina on the road. This actually opened up pretty cheap. Tampa Bay, $1.30 favorite at the open, now upwards of $1.65 in some markets. Uh, I think Carolina offers me the best interest simply because I'm gaining such advantage over the opening line based on where it's going to close. Listen, their season is tonight. No matter what's happened in the last couple of games where they were actual favorites over Tampa Bay at home, uh, their season is going to come down tonight, and I'm going to I'm going to use them based on the fact that they're a good, solid team. They're on the road, which I already like as well. Now they're going to show me, you know, 20, 25 cents of advantage based on the opening line. As far as the other game is concerned, again, I'm a, I'm a road guy. Over the course of the last 10 years in the NHL. Uh, if you just simply took road teams, 336 and 367, which is 48%. However, you got a 6.3 return on investment, $100 better is up 4680. Now, if we want to take that segment further into Boston's case, mm-hmm. road favorites, okay? Last 10 years, 75 and 41, 64.7%, 15.8% return on investment. I think Boston's in a pretty good position being on the road tonight as well at the beginning of the series Boston's minus 240 to win the series today you can pick them up at minus 200 that's a lot of value there based on this series now being tied 1-1 and and I also think too Lou if you go back to game two between these um, two teams I thought Boston really outplayed New York in the third period right coming back tying that game forcing overtime like New York played relatively well in the second but that's not something that's going to regularly happen against a team like Boston no I think Boston gears back up and gets their focus back for a big game tonight in front of a bunch of crazy people at Nassau Coliseum. All right, so what's the read now that the Vegas Golden Knights are in an 0-2 hole coming back home? Uh, no surprise that Colorado, the favorite on the road here, is we're gonna meet, uh, they're going to meet up tomorrow. We're talking about a $1.20 price tag on the Avalanche, total of 5.5 shaded to the under. Can the Knights bounce back on their home ice here against the Avalanche? Boy, I had the Knights in the first two games. I took them in the series after game one. And so my uh, response is going to be, I hope so. However, the road team is going to be Colorado. Uh, Granted, we're already seeing some opening line value. At least the line on Vegas is growing. It's probably not a game I'm going to be able to bet, but surely I'm interested in Vegas coming and playing a a good, strong game. Colorado is not going to sweep Vegas, and I don't believe Vegas is dead. That said, Teams that take a 2-0 lead in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs go on to win 86.8% of the time. So Vegas has a lot of work ahead of them. All right, Montreal, Winnipeg, we'll get your last thoughts on the NHL card before we transition over to the fight night, what we're going to see this weekend. But uh, Winnipeg right now, fifteen at home. What is the bounce back here for the Jets? Listen, the, the, the series projections for the Jets are rosy. Again, mm-hmm. just because they had all that rest, Hellebuck played a terrible game in game one. The whole team wants to throw that out. Outside of Montreal rallying around that hit last night, uh, I think Winnipeg's in a great advantageous position in this series. All right, let's move on then. We got the big boys in action for UFC fight night this weekend, Lou. Uh, Rosen struck at the top of this card with Sakai. So what is that? Give me the main event analysis here as you look around. There has been a little bit of movement here on Rosen struck. Not a lot, but I know William Hill opened as high as $1.37 in some of the global markets. Now we're talking about $1.25. Give us the analysis here as, uh, of course, you wrote in Point Spread Weekly about this UFC Las Vegas 28 main event in the card as a whole. But what's the read between Rosen struck and Sakai? Yes, uh, uh, Rosenstrike is uh, a slight favorite. He's going to be a little slighter of a man, but he's a very pedigreed kickboxer with really stout, precision striking power, and he's been a champion at every level. He's faced, I think, a little bit better uh, competition 
competition than has Sakai. Sakai is going to be the bigger man. He, he's he's a little lumpy physically looking, but he's got uh, girth, he's got power, and he's also got a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu that we have never seen. If he decides to use that and and try and get Rosenstreak either into the corner or under the mat, he's going to have a chance. If Rosenstreak can maintain distance and keep Sakai on the outside coming in, I think Rosenstreak has a really good opportunity of eventually chopping the larger, more uh, stoic, deliberate man down as he's coming in. And I do like uh, Rosenstreak in this fight. What about Tybura and Harris? Because these are two guys that are headed in opposite directions, right? If you look at Tybura and what he's done lately, coming off of the win over Greg Hardy back at the end of 2020, he's won four straight bouts. We've seen, what is it, the big ticket get finished in each of his last two outings. Uh, so they seem to be kind of heading in directions that are not in the same one. And we're seeing Tybura in the range of like a dollar seventy-five favorite. Too high or just right here? No, I think it's a little too high. I, I think that even though Harris has been bested, uh, he's been bested by pedigreed top end talent in the heavyweight division, uh, of which Tybura has not yet faced. And so, uh, I, to me, the great equalizer here is who Harris has been in with. He's the more athletic man, the more explosive man, although Tybura is going to be the more polished, well-rounded mixed martial artist. In a really good fight, I think the desperation and size of Walt Harris, the explosion in power is going to make the difference. And I'm going to go with the dog Walt Harris here at plus 145 or 150. Anything else on the card that we should have our eye on? Baeza and Ponzinibbio on the yep. main card is going to be an unbelievable fight. And for many reasons, Baeza, young, up and coming, a loss isn't going to stunt his career. Ponzinibbio is a desperate guy that just got knocked out in a return fight. I look for him to bounce a little bit. And Ponzinibbio right around that plus 100, I think, is a very good consideration. Lou Finicaro, Gamblu up on Twitter. Lou, good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Last time I talked, you said you're coming into town at some point soon, are you not? I was there a couple of weeks ago, and I hope to be back in a couple of weeks again soon. The UFC uh, big cards are starting to come, and uh, as Vegas opens up, I want to be in attendance and uh, around uh, the studio with all you professionals. Well, I appreciate it. It's just the coat that makes me look professional. I'm actually really not. Lou Finicaro, thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me on, JVT. Yeah, you got it. Lou Finicaro, uh, of course, Gamblu up on Twitter. Uh, let's see. So we got some... Um, we have some splits to go over in the NBA very quickly. Uh, let's do this as our, our last little report here on the two games that we're going to see later tonight. These are via BetMGM. Uh, Blazers and Nuggets. Uh, I know that some people find value in these, so we'll give them out. 53% of the tickets, 64% of the handle on the Blazers. Blazers, of course, opened up four, now laying five. Not a surprise there. The Lakers and the Suns, on the other hand, 52% of the tickets, 57% of the handle on the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers, though, opened three. Now two at BetMGM here at the South Point. It was down to as low as one and a half. So both of these teams, Blazers, of course, and Lakers, looking to stave off of elimination. And at least at this point right now, very early in the day over at BetMGM, the action is on both of these teams to potentially extend these series to a final winner-take-all in Game 7. By the way, it was over at Mandalay Bay. Speaking of BetMGM, it was over at Be uh, Mandalay Bay yesterday. Man, it's cool to see a lot of people out here in Vegas. My hands were itching, walked in the casino floor. I'm, ah. Such a good environment. All right, we're all done for today. Tomorrow's the last day of a numbers game, at least for me. We'll be back, of course, on Monday. So hopefully nothing goes catastrophically terrible because I think it's been a really fun nine days. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember, vcin.com slash podcast, where you want to go. If you missed out on any part of this show or any of your other favorite shows. And speaking of your favorite show, this is your favorite show and also the next one, Lombardi Line, which comes up next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.